Welcome to The Bear and the Ball. I'm your host, Nick Webster. Today, a freelance journalist, researcher, former cross-country and track coach, a graduate of Lehigh University and degrees from Oxford University and the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy. Also a founding member of the Positive Coaching Alliance and author of Take Back the Game, Linda Flanagan. Welcome to The Bear and the Ball. Oh, thank you for having me. So I've got a chance to read the the back and the front of your book, Taking Back the Game. And um, in today's such, it's such a competitive environment for not only for kids, but for parents. And mm-hmm. it's very confusing. And the other thing that I find uh, confusing is the fact that parents aren't given proper information. Everyone's mm-hmm. dreaming about this, this mythical college, college scholarship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But only like 0.1% of kids actually attain it. Yes. You talk about kids being compelled to specialize year round in one sport and parents buying into that. Yeah. When did that start and how can we stop it? Well, boy, that's the million dollar. How to stop it is the million dollar question. I mean, it, in my book, I lay out the three main causes for how we got to this point where. In, for example, in my town, we have a junior pre-academy for U4s in soccer, which is utterly insane. Uh, so how do we get there? And the, the three reasons I identify are money. There's, you know, I think few people recognize what, how much of a giant industry youth sports are and how, you know, a lot of people are profiting off your family, basically. Um, not that they're bad people, but that industry has recognized that there is a hunger on the part of parents to enrich their children through athletics and they've ramped it up and this is you know goes back decades um, starting with the um, decline in funding for public parks and you know public oriented programs that didn't cost a fortune and then the move away from that to this you know pay-to-play model the second is a really, really, to me, the most interesting is the change perspective on childhood and children and what kind of what parents owe their kids and what kids owe their parents. And it's shifted from, you know, say when I grew up and my parents were, you know, see ya, uh, go have fun out there and don't, you know, they had busy lives and I'm one of five and um, their lives did not revolve around my activities. And that changed also beginning around the 70s when, you know, variety of forces, economic anxiety, the shrinking of the family, and this uh, disproportionate fear of stranger danger and the need to supervise children, that shift has also contributed to this intensification of youth sports. It's really defined, the, the key word there is anxiety it's parental anxiety you know how their kids are going to turn out the various threats lurking behind every you know lurking in playgrounds and on street corners and look here's athletics it's supervised it's good for you let's go that go that way if we can afford it and then the third is college and how which is also tied to parental anxiety and how um the stakes just seem a lot higher college is you know, it wasn't like it, I'm sure it wasn't unimportant when you went to college or when I went to college, but it is, it is just such an organizing principle of middle class and upper middle class life is where your kids go to college. 
It's just vitally important. And that that's also a function of changes that began in like the 80s with the US News and World Report rankings, the intense, the higher price, the, the perceived difficulty of getting into college, and then this, you know, this possibility of getting an athletic scholarship. Or at some D3 level, the less competitive college level, getting access to a better college that you might not otherwise get into. So those factors, which I just briefly summarized, um, have gotten us to this point where your sports used to be like child-centric, you know, unstructured, play-oriented, child-run. Now it's like adult-driven, focused on building skills um, and uh, a lot, in there, and there's a lot of money involved. You know, you, you bring up some absolutely fascinating points and 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 i'm so drawn to this one stranger danger uh, uh, yeah because I, I i'm i'm of that ilk as well where i was pretty much left unsupervised to go and do sports and you know i, I have a 16 year old son myself and his sporting life is is so structured and yes and i hate that part that yeah you know in in unless unless we're where parents, coaches are driving it, there doesn't seem to be um, the the independence to go and do it yourself. And but I understand why because because we've been introducing that stranger danger throughout their mm-hmm. lives, and so that that sporting independence just isn't, isn't there anymore. Um, and there's so, so many drawbacks to that. There's so many problems with that. And because in one, which I'm sure you know, is that the more structured and organized the practices versus the unstructured go run around and play, the more likely they are to get hurt. So this is the organized play has really contributed to this epidemic of injuries among young kids. So saying that, is 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 there data to support yep. that? And mm-hmm. why isn't that data common knowledge for absolutely anybody who cares about their kids in sports? I don't know. I don't know is why it's not common knowledge. Uh, I think that, you know, it's also, there's a lot of data like this about, you know, the likelihood of playing in college, how very slim that is, how and how remote, remote the odds are that any child is going to get money to play in college, let alone a free ride. It's 0.3% of kids, high school athletes. Um, there's a lot of data that, you know, I think people are kind of resistant to information that goes against either what they're doing or what they think. It's, it's human nature, right? I mean, I'm not faulting anybody for it. It's just, it's kind of hard to come to grips with with facts sometimes. But there's plenty of data about early specialization being harmful to kids. There's a short-term benefit, and this is what proves so many things, is that the short-term benefit supersedes with the long-term consequence. So kids who specialize early are less apt to play later in life. Kids who specialize early are more apt to burn out and, and quit. Um, they're more apt to get injured. I mean, there's, there's so many reasons on why it's a, it's a bad idea. And, um, and yet, if you have a junior pre-academy U4 in your town, you're going to feel compelled to do it. And it goes back to this idea of this fear of like leaving your kids behind. If I look, I can't afford it. You know, why shouldn't I? There's no, it's, there's a, all the forces lead you to make these decisions that give you a short term benefit rather than thinking of the long term, which is, you know, my three year old does not need to run around a soccer field with cleats and an adult. 
uh, supervising. They just just needs to be out back outside. So this is probably going to get me in a load of trouble. Um, it this it it feels a little bit like white entitlement, middle upper class people taking opportunities I mean, away from other kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if, if if that's if that's the case, part of part of where we're going is is that blinkered tunnel vision that these parents are developing and you know i come from a background where and i I guess this is an old cliche but sports was for everyone Mm -hmm. Are, are we are we now in a place where sports isn't for everyone well it's clearly in this country a function of family income and education level so the higher the income the better the education the more apt kids are to play and the opposite is also true um, I mean, there are so, op- some. So let me stop you immediately, though. So because sure. because now now we're more opportunity, better education. So if we're better educated, why are we making such terrible decisions? <laughs> <laughs> that I can't answer. I don't know. I think there's an assumption, a commonly held view that sports are inherently good. You know, that playing sports is inherently good. And okay, and I am a big fan of sports. I was a coach for 17 years. I'm a very active. I played high school, college. I'm a big fan of athletics. I think that it's an unchallenged assumption, though, and that it is, it's not an all-good thing. It's very dependent on the environment. It's dependent on the coach. It's de- there's so many factors that weigh in. Sports are not inherently good for you, or being on a team, say. They can be. They can be wonderful. They can also be devastating and, you know, lead to a knee injury that has you hobbling around when you're 22. Um, it's how it's how it's done, how it's carried out. Hmm. Now you're making me think, which is probably a bad thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as, as I've been a coach a long time as well, and mm-hmm. I understand that the, the benefits of sports I've, I've seen the benefits of sports I've seen yep. how it has the the power to change lives yep Me in too. such a positive way um, but to, but but to your point there there is that there is that dark side that we don't talk about yep. the injury or I, I think in, in your book you talk about mental health problems and um, mm-hmm. that that moment where you are cut from a team and it is completely devastating and your life for one reason or another spirals out of control and leads you down a a dark path um now surely though that is 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 that the responsibility of the coach is that the responsibility of the parents or does the athlete themselves have to take some accountability in in this process well i think it's entirely dependent on the age of the of the children you know if they're young kids i think i i think parents need to be very careful about the programs they put their kids in um i think community-based programs sometimes the coaching isn't as um professional but it tends to be lower key, a little more fun oriented. It's local. It doesn't, you know, vacuum up your weekend. Um, 
I think that's kind of the parents are, as most parents do, you know, they consider what programs are best for their child. And coaches, of course, too, have responsibility. And in in terms of making, setting up a healthy culture, you know, a lot of this has to do with the coach and what their ethic is and how they build a team and what their focus is. It is all about winning. Is you know, winning at all costs. Is it development? Is it looking at the whole child? You know, as youth sports have become more professionalized, you know, it's more about skill development. And that maybe you as a parent, you desperately want that for your child. I generally think that's a bad idea because the great kids are going to probably turn into like great athletes and they're going to find their way. They don't need a particular coach developing their six-year-old's, you know, dribbling skills. So, it, it, but it's, it's, you know, there are multiple people who are re- sort of responsible for this, but if you're the parent, you know, you're the first line of defense for your child. You just have to make sure it's like a healthy environment. And, um, and of course, we need coaches who are trained, who are better trained. That's another big problem with our, with athletics in, the, in this country, despite how much we put, care so desperately about our children's athletic performance. You know, we don't train coaches well at all. Yes, you mentioned that community aspect and for community, in parentheses, volunteers. And, yeah. and, and, and I really feel, you know, even within Cal South, that volunteerism aspect has, has, has drifted away over the last mm-hmm. 10, 15 yes. years. And now it's just a case, well, let, let's just pay somebody. You know, yeah. Um, but you, you, you brought up such a great point about the community coach, the lower stakes, the more yeah. fun as, as a, as a parent who, and I, I've been lucky enough and, uh, I, I'd like to think enlightened enough, um, that I haven't put my son through this, you know, paid coaching from, from the beginning you know we, we've we've done community at the local park yeah. which was awesome it was so much yeah. fun uh we've yeah. done a way so and now as he's becoming a lot more competitive we are now kind of sucked into the the club culture mm-hmm. how do we and uh, you know obviously i i know that you and i we can't solve the world's problems right now in the next 45 minutes so i wish we could but mm-hmm. how do we bring back that that feeling of community volunteerism and let parents know that it's great, that it's not the most important thing that this coach has won the World Cup and now he's coaching your <laughs> seven-year-old, you know? <laughs> this, this is a coach, this is a he or a she that obviously loves the game of soccer. Yeah. Let's, we're using soccer as our example. And just wants to go out there and see, you know, young children... And is, is there anything better in the world than seeing young children running around, laughing, smiling, mm-hmm. and having mm-hmm. a great time? Mm-hmm. No, there isn't. <laughs> so so how, how can we bring that back instead of this, this, this crazed, oh, he's doing the drill wrong? I know. Oh, my gosh. It's so maddening. Well, okay. So this is obviously a huge problem in our country. It's not just, you know, in sports. We have this, you know, loneliness problem where people are sequestered in their homes watching Netflix and um, not 
engaging in the community activities. Volunteerism is down. We all know this, you know, where everyone's bowling alone. Um, so the answer, you know, I think it really has to start, if you care about this, it really kind of has to start in your own home. I, I was with a woman yesterday who's um, the, the leader of the free-range kids movement, Lenore Skenazy. And she said the answer is, have more parties. You know, like, don't wait for some government body to change something. It's like, get out there, have more parties, see more people. And when it comes to, to sports, I think it, it all it takes is, it's what David Brooks would call, like, friendship circles to, to halt the brutality cascade, which is the youth sports system, where the most brutal player sets the rules and everyone else feels like they have to imitate. You develop find a few other families who don't want to do this, who say, this is crazy. We're not buying into this nonsense. My child's not going to get an athletic scholarship. And, you know, and that's okay. I want my child to develop into a healthy, um, multi-talented, satisfied young person who has purpose in life that it, it goes beyond their excellence in a given sport. So you find other just a few all you need is a few other families and you just you you don't engage in that world of competitive sports you know until they're a little older if they want to and I think a lot of this if we would just let the kids be the ones deciding what they want to play and you know how much they want to play instead of feeling like we as adults need to get in there and you know you need to get serious you need to focus and, you know, try a little harder. And just if we parents can kind of zip it, I think that's so much of it is just getting out of the way, letting them take charge, and working with like-minded, joining with like-minded families who can, you know, adopt the same approach. And then, as David Brooks would say, you form coalitions with other groups of like-minded people. And then suddenly maybe your neighborhood is not engaging is not traveling on the weekend to a tournament somewhere. They're, the kids are home, and the kids are playing outside. You know, I mean, I know it's very dependent on the community, and not everyone has a house and all of that, but, you know, you got to start small. And I think if you can, it doesn't take a lot for kids to just play with other kids and then do pick up sports to the extent they're interested in it. You know, that's it's, it, it reminds me of a... Uh... A session. So, was a million years ago, not a million years ago, five six years ago, I was I was hired to coach my son's, you know, U eleven team, um, mm-hmm. which I thought was you know completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so I'm doing my thing, you know, running sessions, trying to make things as fun as possible. Uh, almost half the session really wasn't even soccer stuff; it was just having them run around and play tag and stuff like that. That's what it should be. Yeah. And uh, the parents would look at me like, why are we paying this guy all this money and they're just playing a bag? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I, and, and you can feel it, you know. Yeah. As a coach, you can, go, you can feel the, the, the little angst behind you. And yes. so I, I thought to myself, well, I'm, I'm really going to blow their minds this session. So, I, I, you know, I took the stuff, the, the equipment to the field, goals, you know, the little mini goals that you can move. Yep. Home, uh, um pennies and balls and I just dumped them at the field and went and sat in the corner and you could feel the seething angle <laughs> and you know the kids are milling around and they're messing around and and within five minutes guess what they're doing 
they've organized mm -hmm. a game they're playing a game they're having the time of their lives because coach wasn't involved and yes i tried to bring this example to the uh the technical director of the club mm -hmm. and he was he was completely aghast what are you this is insane we're paying you good money to coach and my reply was i was coaching yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, that's right um, so, so so you you talk about you talk about having like-minded parents and I, I couldn't agree more and we we look at things that happen in society today and they go viral Mm -hmm. And yes. they go viral. I, I don't know why things go viral. I, I wish I wish I understood. Mm. Organically, how can we make that go viral? Where um. like-minded parents get together and go, let's just have our kids run around and do what they want. I don't know. Because I think what, what goes viral are um, very... Um, conflict conflict goes viral strong emotions go viral um usually negative emotions shame you know shaming someone embarrassing someone because they tap into some you know like ugly human instinct or feeling and i think watching kids play um it's like good governance it's kind of boring i mean you know it's nice you're happy to see them playing and but it's not going to um you know you're not going to get a millions of followers watching kids like run around maybe you know who knows try it but uh i think it, it all goes back to anxiety like we can't and i can imagine the parents seething on the sidelines because what are you doing you're not teaching them and that there always has to be a purpose to it you know as opposed to letting the kids understand organically what play is and how fun it is to like pick your own teams and you know, change the t team as needed because one side is too strong. Uh, you know, like that is all so beneficial, but it's it's not um, obvious. It's not obviously good. I think that's one of the issues with parents. It's not like okay, they're learning this particular skill. It's it's much more organic and subtle, and I think that's very hard thing to teach or very hard for other people for people to understand the the value of that. So one of the great soccer cliches is the game is the best teacher. Uh -huh. So within, within that structure, and, and, and I, I love the fact that you just brought up when kids, young kids, see the unfairness of a team, they do something about it. You know, they're not going yes. to stand by and watch, you know, just keep demolishing somebody. Because it's not it's, fun. It's not fun. Yeah. And yet you've got the parent on the sideline going, oh, that's 10, you know, they're really <laughs> driving the knife home. Yes. You know, the, the more we, the more we chat, so we're like 25 minutes in, and it, it, it just seems to me that parental education is, has to be the driver. We yes. have to educate parents because parents can then make informed decisions about coaching and the value of paid coaching and also understand the value of letting kids be kids. So if we say, if, if so I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's parental education. Okay. There has to be, oof, I hate saying there has to be, 
there needs to be a mechanism. <laughs> there needs to be a mechanism whereby parents are mandated, forced, hate those words as well, yeah. to educate themselves or be educated in how child sporting development happens in a positive mm-hmm. way. Yes or no? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm imagining myself when my children were young, how I would have reacted to that. I would have been like, no way, I know what I'm doing, and I don't need your mandates. I just want my kid to play soccer and be good at it. You know, I think there are programs that are trying to do that, like Positive Coaching Alliance. They have training sessions for parents. The trouble is it's always the you're preaching to the choir usually with those groups. It's the, it's the ones who don't show up who need it. Um, I think, I mean, I wish we could somehow have some kind of paradigm shift about what constitutes good athletics, you know, what constitutes healthy sports for kids. Um, and one way I, one way I do think to reach parents is, um, they are most afraid of, they're most concerned about injuries of all the things they're worried about with the kids playing sports, it's injuries. And just so happens that the injuries are, are completely out of control. You know, the Aspen Institute did a study last year of injury rates among kids, and it was between kids between 5 and 18, and 44% of those kids got injured. And, you know, we all know injuries are a part of sports, and a bruise is not the same as a concussion, you know? But 5.6 of those kids tore a knee ligament. 8% got a concussion of those kids who played. I mean, so that's a very large number of injuries that are largely preventable and a function of overuse of too much, you know, too many competitions, too many, too many practices. Like this is what's happening. Okay. So let's, let's learn about this and not do this anymore. I think if parents understood some of the, some of the numbers on that, um, you know, maybe they'd think twice. But it's easy to get caught up in this universe where it's like it, we're a competitive society. I think sports parents tend to be comp- maybe a little more competitive also, and they're competing with the other parents, and their child is also competing against the other kids on the team. And it can kind of take over in spite of what we all know is, or what many of us know, is not in kids' best interest. So within that, you mentioned something that's kind of got my head spinning again. Um, courses designed for parents, and it's the parents that don't show up that need it the most, that preaching yeah. to the choir component. Yeah. Um, and I've done many of these courses myself. And the, the, what I get from these courses, though, they're not fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and, and that's why people don't go, because it's like, oh, do I have... Oh, I'm being lectured, you know? Yeah. I'm being lectured about what not to do at my kid's game. Right. You know? That's not fun. No. And, you know, we, I think the, the theme of, uh, of our discussion has been, you know, the, the, the sub-theme is, is fun because yes. it's fun when the kids take over. It's fun when there's a parent who doesn't take it seriously is somewhat in charge. Yep. So then the educational component has to be fun. How do you... And, you know, having gone to education very late in life, you know, I was, I was in my 50s before I even got a degree. Um, that wasn't fun. 
<laughs> you know, once again, you know, I, I, how I, I, you know, I throw so many hows at you. You know, how how to make educating parents about their kids fun without seeming like a lecture. Well, I think it's it doesn't. I think education is a part of it, but I think another big part is incentives. If if there were an incentive to not do this crazy stuff, they would stop doing it. So this is one reason why I think we really need to clamp down on um, the recruiting and admissions advantages to college athletes because suddenly there'd be no reason to do this crazy stuff. And you'd have, you know, I, I think you would see a dramatic decline in the number of kids doing this which tells you why they're doing it. So if you got rid of that incentive, that would be one thing. Um, I think also that maybe you don't, well, education is ideal, yes. There are other simpler ways of getting, like, good public, good fan behavior at games, say. You can, I spoke to this one coach who told me he has a sandwich board up outside the gym or the field, wherever the entrance is. It says, like, these are... This is what you're going to do. This is what you expect. I'm sorry. These are the rules. This is what we expect. And here's what will happen if you don't do it. It's very simple. It's not like taking a course. It's like you'll cheer or, you know, you won't scream at the ref, you know, have a tantrum in the stands, yell from the sidelines. If you do, you'll be expelled. It's very simple. And I think that kind of thing would, he said it's been very effective. It's not like onerous it's not taking a lot of time but this is like these are our standards and this is what and that's only part of the problem obviously the craziness on the sidelines um you know i i i I wish that parents and and i do sympathize i am a parent and i had plenty of anxieties myself but if they could understand i wish they weren't so nervous about it and could kind of look down the road and see it's okay for them to have fun. It's okay for them to have free time. And I, and there is kind of a movement afoot, I think, to restore some of that to kids' lives, particularly now because of the, you know, the crisis with mental kids' mental health. And I think, it, you know, crisis is a word that's bandied about all the time, but I do actually think there's a, you know, we have a very serious problem with kids being so anxious and depressed and exercise is so good for that. It's so good for treating that. So, you know, I am hopeful that um, there will be a bit of a paradigm shift on what sports are for, you know? It's just like, what are, what are these for? What are we doing here? And it's okay for them not to be enriched 24 hours a day. It's okay. It's In fact, it's better for them. I mean, you know, there's an article in the journal, I think it was pediatrics, or maybe it was childhood, uh, few weeks ago about about kids having unsupervised time together just like the way you grew up just go out and they know it's very scary we can't imagine what they're going to get up to but that that's really what they need in order to grow up and be manage risks in life instead of being terrified in a corner and anxious about you know every new development that's threatening or potentially threatening Linda Flanagan, author of Take Back the Game. I could seriously talk to you for hours on this. I'm sure hours we could. and hours. Um, how can uh, listeners get hold of you, uh, find you, uh, talk with you? 
Oh, well, I'm always happy to talk to people. Um, I will have a website, and there's a contact at the bottom. It's at Linda, Linda Flanagan Author is the website. Um, and there's a contact sheet. Happy to con- connect with anyone. I've been trying to do talks. This is one thing in terms of education. I'm doing talks at schools and, you know, trying to get the message out um, about, okay, just the data that we're talking about, about specialization, about college recruitment, the kind of the myths about sports. Um, so anyway, my website, uh, Linda Flanagan 2 is my Twitter handle. I'm on LinkedIn. You know, I'm very easily to find. <laughs> if you just, you know, Google me, I'm right there. I'm very easy to find. Linda Flanagan, take back the game. This has been The Bear and the Ball. I am Nick Webster. And for more on Cow South, please go to cowsouth.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and I will see you on the pitch shortly. Bye for now.